Hello and welcome to the Third Space Podcast. This is Bennett with your introduction to episode 27, Dingleberry Vaccine. Ah, what a beautiful title for a podcast episode. <laughs> In this episode, uh, Daniel and I, we finally talk a little bit about the coronavirus stuff. Uh, we've kind of been avoiding talking about that for the past year because everyone talks about it. But now that things are kind of finally slowing down and coming to an end, we uh, we reflect a little bit on how crazy it's been. Um, this all starts because Daniel got his vaccine, so we talk about vaccines and some other stuff related to that. Um, we also have a good laugh at a weird guy that I encountered while on a walk around the lake. Uh, and then we introduce a brand new segment called Adventures in Etymology, and that's where Half of the episode's title comes from because we analyze some words and phrases that have to do with poop. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, without further ado, I'll let the episode get started. Hello, and welcome to Third Space. Ah, I don't like that. Uh, Usually I run in there and do inserted, something. Inserted my introduction first. Yeah, and it was so good. It beat all my others. It was unique. I didn't jingle. I didn't put any musical tone in there. Nothing. It was just, here's who we are. Here's who we are. Here's what you're listening to. And you're welcome to do that. That's right. Continue listening. Ah. So, what's uh, what's up? Uh, What's up with me? I got my second um, vaccine on Friday. Pfizer, oh. Pfizer, or whatever. It's in um, my body. So, so, like, do you have a, uh, do you have an erection? Isn't that yeah. what that one, Pfizer, that's what they do, right? That's what that's it's for? That's the permanent erection one. Um, I thought so. No COVID and permanent erection, so it's just a win-win kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, you know, the first round, shots tend to make my arms sore, and I've, I guess I'll actually ask you, Mr. Science over here, when your arm's sore from a shot, I mean, that's pretty standard stuff, is it sore, is it, from my understanding, soreness is lactic acid buildup, and I assume it's not, we're using this, it's the same sensation of being sore, but I'm assuming that isn't lactic acid buildup, or is it, after a shot? I don't, I don't see why it would be lactic acid buildup. I know, Um, I don't even think so. so. Well, I mean, so when you're sore, lactic acid, it's not actually lactic Lactic acid buildup, that definitely happens when you overexert your muscles, but you also tear your muscle fibers, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the re-knitting of the muscle fibers that's actually muscle growth. So it's actually the tearing of the fibers, I think, that, that causes soreness, um, and lactic acid can just contribute to that, of the actual degradation of the fibers. I think that's right. And so when you get a shot in your arm, that's an intramuscular shot, and the needle, you know, obviously that's physical damage to your body. It's pressing itself through your muscle tissue and breaking those fibers. So, you know, if you look at it that way, muscle fiber damage, then it makes sense why it would be the same sensation from a shot and from, you know, lifting lots of extraordinarily heavy weights and getting ripped. Getting ripping your muscle fiber. Ripping those fibers. Uh. I mean, I guess that stands to reason. It's just, and and I've heard people talk about the soreness of these shots as if they're unusual. My soreness was, I guess, very normal. Um, I mean, it does hurt. It, it hurts a little bit, but uh, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> yeah, very I mean, normal that's, soreness. That's very normal. I mean, just that 
that when it comes to vaccines, that would be the last thing I worry about is the little the little muscle soreness of getting getting stabbed. Um, that's yeah. no big deal. Uh-huh. The the more concerning thing is you know if you have an allergy or something. So there are people who have allergic reactions to these things and get in dire straits. And then of course most people now are you know they're having milder versions of symptoms of coronavirus from the vaccines for a few days and that's what knocks people out for a bit and so i i guess i i don't know i've been on the cusp of having symptoms or i've mostly i've just been super lethargic and feeling like i'm about to have a fever i don't i know that sounds like an odd explanation but when i'm about to get sick or about to have a fever i i feel a certain way and so um well i mean i have a tendency to ruminate when you're when i'm told I was actually thinking about it the night before getting the shot that it, I'm, we're sort of lucky or it's a blessing in disguise that we don't know when we're going to get sick. It's not like you're sleeping the last night and say tomorrow you will have a cold or tomorrow you'll get the flu or mm-hmm. because knowing there was a good chance of not feeling well is it, or getting this shot with a little bit of mystery around it is unnerving. Um, and when you get the shot and you're having to wait for those 15 minutes to see if there's any scary reaction, you know, any emergency style stuff, um, even though, you know, it's a small chance and all of that, I'm, I'm sitting there going, am I okay? And that's a <laughs> tough, right. that's not a good, I, I can get in my head pretty, pretty quickly and say, all right, am I okay? Yes, I am. I think, do, do I always breathe this way? Am I always <laughs> aware to this degree of my heartbeat or whatever? Right, um, and then even doing a milder version of that for the last two days has been odd. And I have slept, I have slept so much. Um, <laughs> I slept all of Saturday. I've been sleeping today. I mean, look, it's it's been rainy out, and I just there's an overall feel of lethargy. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, hot but too. I, it's hot. Whatever. I just am like, uh, I'm I'm tired. Uh, this is the time of school year that's tough to have that energy so there's a lot at play to that but man i don't know i have i don't don't have the energy so well my give a damn is broken as as i was as, as i as i invented that saying like it's yep. like I, we all have this give a damn and, and then mine broke you're on a roller coaster and it's only staying only still going down only, only staying yeah, exactly only still stay- <laughs> yeah. um yeah well i think probably the um the fatigue is it's just the side effects. A lot of people are. I mean, like I, my coworkers, I would say probably five or six or maybe more of them have had the vaccine one or the other. Um, and they, they've almost without exception complained of feeling like crap for a day, one to three days afterwards. Um, so that's pretty normal. And then you hear these things that I don't know how to look up or I didn't even bother to go verify, but I was like, okay, well, I'm young and I'm going to be the more likely to not be impacted by it. And then someone will just say, actually, it's impacting like young, healthier people more than older people. And I'm like, I have no idea. That just sounds like well, a, it's a different, right? type thing. So. Well, not necessarily. So a vaccine is distinctly, it's distinct from the virus. So you can draw an age correlation with the virus itself. So people who are older are more susceptible to more severe effects from from the actual coronavirus. But vaccines are not coronavirus. That's they're not the same thing. It's not a traditional vaccine where it's just, you know, weakened 
particle vaccine particles that you know you're training your immune system to deal with it's a different mechanism and by the way why not why not why not treat it like that what would happen uh they just didn't develop the vaccine that way um it's not that's not how they did it either they found i don't know why either they found that it wasn't effective or they just couldn't develop it in time or whatever who knows maybe they needed to do this new technology in order to mind control everyone. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. It probably the five G doesn't react with the old style <laughs> vaccines. Yeah, it's probably. It only reacts with these. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know why, but they chose to you know test out this new technology now um, with this one, uh, and so it doesn't work that way. And so, yeah, the the vaccine is not the same. And you know, when you disperse that to millions of people. It, there could be, you could imagine a situation in which it's age correlated where some people experience side effects more than others or where old people, you know, they have the same more severe side effects. But that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to just be, you know, everyone has side effects here and there. And it's hard to predict. Like I've, I've, I've heard that um, the most common thing and the one that I have, uh, you know, firsthand experience with, or I guess secondhand since my coworkers experience it, is just... They feel like crap for a few days after getting the vaccine. That seems to be far and away the most common. And interestingly, they feel like crap. They're not like they're not getting a cold or or coughing and sneezing and stuff like that, are they? They're just feeling. They said, uh, you know, most of them felt uh, very tired, like you, um, or had a headache. Uh, They just felt like they basically had the flu um, for a couple days. Right. That's what. That's kind of how they described it. And interestingly, I read something interesting, and um, I guess I can't say for sure whether this is true, but there seems to be some correlation between your blood type and um, your response to the vaccines um, and to the virus itself is what what I've heard, that people with O negative, I think it is. I think if you have O negative um, blood type, then you you seem to be more susceptible to uh, symptoms. And if you have... um, I think AB is the people people with AB blood type tend to not have as many strong reactions. I could I could have that mixed up, so don't don't take that. I know I'll you're, take you're it to heart. I'm really jotting down these details. I know now. you're really into you know blood type science stuff. You you know all <laughs> about that, so you probably know more than I do. But I don't even want to put you on the spot. But I actually don't you know. I mean, I. I, we all kind of accept this, different blood types, and for the most part, people know their own uh, and what's compatible and what's not. But what are we saying when people have different blood? Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I um, since I had to learn about blood types. But, I mean, essentially, I mean, the gist is that there are a few discrete categories of markers in your blood. We'll just call them markers for lack of a better term. Um, and it's basically just immunological compatibility. Like, you know, if you have the same type, the same blood type as someone else, then, you know, you can donate blood to them or, or a compa- I shouldn't say the same type, but a compatible type because, um, you know, there's the universal donor type. I believe that's a B. I can't, I can't remember for sure. So the, the, which which categories are which I can't recall. I don't even know my blood type. So and then there's the universal like receiver um, as well, where you can get any kind of blood and and some people are some people's bodies for whatever reason are really picky and they can only receive blood of one specific type. Um, otherwise, it, their immune system reacts and rejects the blood and they get real sick and it's not good. 
I just find it interesting that we're walking around with several types of blood in us, and that there's that that pattern. Well, you it. only have one type in you. Well, one type. Yeah, I know, but like humanity. Oh, you mean has like categories? Blood. Yeah, and that there's like it's five not that un- or whatever. It's not that it unusual, right? I mean, we only have a fairly set number of hair colors and eye colors, for instance. I mean, that's a little different because color is more of a spectrum than a category. But I mean, you could even try to say things like personality categories, you know, they break themselves into distinct areas. Again, there's more gradation in that, but... Um, See, I'd be interested to know if there's a blood blood type and personality correlation, because, which sounds <laughs> absurd, but it's like we use that metaphor if, if it's like books, if you love books, you, books run in my blood, or like, you know, we use this sort of, I, I bleed whatever color of the school you support. Sure. Uh, and, and it red. does because it's the life source of your body and so we, we yeah i doubt it i doubt there's a correlation could be though who knows um could be i doubt it's, it's i mean it's a silly there. thought it's a dumb thought i know that but it's just uh the idea that you we have blood that may or may not be compatible and does that resonate on any other compatibility or is that just an isolated thing so. well i mean it's probably you know i mean you can imagine that it's sort of an evolutionary branching thing, you know, way, way, way back, probably. Um, there was some mutation and you had the first divergence between two different blood types. And then that, that branching probably happened a few times. And now we have however many categories there are one, like there's like a B, uh, O and a B. And I think there's like a positive and negative for each of them. So like eight types. Yeah. And maybe well, there's some like weirdo who's like not on the scale. Uh, some people who have like a blood condition or something that makes them alien something else. Blood. Yeah. Yeah. Alien blood, green blood. <laughs> well, I guess when you said that, like, oh, we have different hair types, and then then it is it's unusual that we. I mean, for the most part, it's brown, black, red, blonde, blonde and like that's about it. I mean, yeah, again, degrees of that, but. You don't have people just having purple hair. I mean, we die out, of course, but no. One, like, so we have we have actually just limited and and I don't want to say boring, but it just like we have a conceptualization of what hair natural hair looks like, and it it's so limited um, with all color availability. And right. Yep. So, so it's really just boring. <laughs> yeah, but there's I mean, even with hair color, there's a lot of variability. <clears throat> you know, even you know, red hair people with red hair. There are different shades of red, same with brown, and then there's curly and straight hair, wavy hair. You know, you can have different... Your hair actually behaves differently. The chemical composition of your hair is actually different if you have curly hair compared to straight hair, um, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. The, the chemical composition, the way it lays... Uh, anyway, it's just... Well, it's like... the bonds in the actual hair molecules they're arranged slightly differently if i remember correctly it's some different bond and that makes curly hairs people that makes their hair curly so even if curly hair people they want straight hair and you can straighten it through you know kind of external means through heat and different things but it's just and probably some expensive treatments but it's just not going to change permanently or or it's not going to be yeah i mean when it grows temporary fix yeah yeah when it grows back it's going to be curly again it's not going to be straight well, it makes sense. Yep. 
Today, uh, I have something else, unless you wanted to talk more about your uh, your vaccine whining. Nah, it's kind of just, I just whined enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. just like sleepy. Like, that's, I'm sleepy and I just had a two hour nap and I slept in. I feel guilty about it. Uh, you should, you should, you should feel bad. You sound like I a do. worthless, worthless human being. I, I don't like, and I don't like your, deg- your energy levels and the degree to which you care about things. That that's I don't like this. I don't like that I don't care right now about, you know, teaching tomorrow, for instance. Like, okay, uh, it's not that I don't care about the kids and stuff. It's just that I don't feel I'm well. Not, if you cared about them, then you, if you cared about them, then you would be doing more for for their <laughs> sakes instead of, you know, laying around and sleeping and stuff. You'd be reading that next page of the dictionary. Um, <laughs> that's so much to unpack in that sentence, but no, no. <laughs> So what? Tell me something new. Well, well. Before I move on to that, I guess while we're on the topic of the vaccine, what do you think about? Like, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of discussion now about vaccine passports and you know restricting access to things here or there only to people who have the vaccine or haven't taken the vaccine. What do you think about that? I feel that it's super strange. Okay, so, well, first of all, you know, we have a whole thing called Daniel Does Science because I'm not very good at science or I haven't, and, and I don't think about it often. So it's fun to turn a crit, like a critical eye towards something I really don't know or haven't thought about. And so I was thinking about, I put, I, I, I received this vaccine and I didn't do a ton of homework. And part of it was just like, look, uh, with, with how crazy things are today, it's just going to make me m- more anxious and i'm probably still going to get the vaccine so i chose to say all right like to put i have a i guess i have a high degree of public trust is what you would say Mm -hmm. i suppose ultimately i did it i put this stuff in my body um and without knowing full well all the consequences i mean that's wild what i did when i think about it yeah yeah um i don't regret it i don't i'm i i made the decision you know autonomously i suppose i just that is that says something okay and so what what i'm saying is that i like i was happy to get it i wanted to get it i'm like all right now it feels great to it, i felt it feels unusual to almost be playing a part of this cultural phenomenon of like hey we developed this thing in record time and so then to go to your question like this idea though is is very strange like on the very 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 surface level i could see if places were you know buying into all of this like i'm saying and saying okay good now that we have people who are vaccinated we can safely let them come in and do whatever so yay if you can just prove to me you're safe i will let you know you can participate with impunity without you know, with impunity. And so mm-hmm. that's that makes some surface level degree of sense. But if the second you almost have a ranked citizenry, like though the the haves and the have nots, it would literally be that. I'm incredibly uncomfortable with um in order to go to this concert, in order to go to this thing, in order to travel across these state lines, in order to fly with this airline. I mean, I suppose I support individual businesses should be able to do that if they wanted to. They should also, if they face public backlash, that that's a possibility they'd face as well. But like, I don't see why a bit, an individual business could or could not do that if 
like they wanted to. <clears throat> Do you think um, that there's a privacy component to you know your medical history and everything? Like, I mean, that's a that's a concern, right? No business can compel your the details of your medical record. It seems maybe there's a gr- privacy grounds. Well, can we back up just a second? I've always found this curious. Like, I think we have a right to privacy in general, and I feel like people put a hyper privacy around their medical health. And perhaps because I've been, I am healthy, and I don't understand what may or may not be not only embarrassing but like uh, vulnerable about sharing that health. I've always gone, why are people so in, like so uptight about being, you know, about their health and the privacy? And at the same time, I just believe fundamentally in uh, you don't have to share what you don't want to share. So, what are your thoughts on just health, uh, privacy, and why we like? Is, is it just a really good thing that we are very uptight about health privacy? Um, yeah, I mean, I have some of the same feelings as you do. It does seem like people are very sensitive about that. But, you know, I think if you have to err one way or the other, it's probably best to err on the side of privacy. Like, 100%, I, yeah. I, I would rather... Um, I would rather be the guardian of, you know, all of the information about myself rather than entrusting it to someone else. Um, And so if we have to, if we have to make a mistake with either being a little too sensitive or not, then I would say probably better to err on the side of privacy um, with respect to that. But yeah, like, you know, I used to work for a company that dealt heavily in healthcare stuff and man, all of the guidelines and everything about health data and stuff it there's a lot of crap that you have to deal with and sometimes that that seems a little overboard um well sometimes you know my school won't sometimes won't even tell me when a kid might have like adhd or whatever they won't they won't reveal like actual diagnosis and to me as a professional educator that's i've that is useful information in serving them as their teacher Right, like that is directly going to impact our relationship and how I communicate with them and understanding what strategies are involved. So I get frustrated, uh, given any like like learning disabilities, like that. I it would it would be very useful for me to know those, um, and then we'll kind of claim HIPAA or whatever, or like right. this and privacy, privacy, privacy. And so like I look, I get particularly with mental health issues. I could see like, oh, I don't want people to know I'm wrestling with anxiety. That's just going to make it worse, or it's sure. embarrassing. But what I don't know, I don't know. But yeah, some things so are some things that, are but. stigmatized, so I can understand that, or, or you know, like sexual history or whatever. Like I can understand yeah, yeah. that you're not wanting to disclose that information. Um, so I guess I get it. I also I don't know though that I buy the. Um, I think it's better if you're going to make an argument for not having. Uh, I think you just make that argument about right to privacy and don't get into whether you do or don't have the vaccine as some, I mean, it is technically a health thing, you know, uh, but like linking it so much and acting like it's the same as the reason people don't want to reveal anxiety at meds or, you know, sexually transmitted diseases and things like that. I don't know. I just don't, I, I feel like I don't know that it's sincere. I mean, yes, it's logical. This is in the domain of health, and we have been very uptight about holding uh, that privacy. So if that just strengthens the argument, so be it. But I don't see it really as related. It seems to me that like I, I tend to agree with what you're saying about this two-tiered society thing. That's a danger. But it also seems it makes me really uncomfortable to think that, especially the government, but even businesses – it makes me really uncomfortable to think that they might have the power to say, 
you must put this substance in, in your body. You must, you must do this. Um, like that seems a little uncomfortable to me. Uh, but but, but don't you? Well, go ahead. Sorry. Well, well, it just you know it it sounds like you know this is t- taking it in an extreme direction, but like the forced sterilization measures in China and stuff like that. I, I mean, when the government has the ability to say, you know, you you must you must do this thing to your body in this way. That's just seems one step too far. It seems beyond the uh, acceptable realm of government uh, influence. What do you think? I, 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 you would generally agree with the idea that a private business can do what they want. And if they want to just say, I don't like the way you smell, I don't like the way you looked at me, I'm not serving you, whatever. They could make up a it just, it could be petty. It could be whatever reasons, right? So Yeah, I mean, I, I believe strongly in the freedom of association. If a business doesn't want to associate with a person for any reason, then they shouldn't have to. And so why is why is this uniquely concerning for in in terms of private business, not in terms of government? Well, it's less concerning um, for private business, but but there's the there's the element of relevance. Like, why is it relevant to you? What you know? What my what my health situation is? Um, like, why do you need? That's the privacy issue again. Why do you need to know? Like, what business is it of yours? What my medical history is? Um, and you know, the argument would be. Oh, because it's a safety concern and, you know, if you're not vaccinated, blah, 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 blah. But none of this, to me anyway, it doesn't hold water just given the tiny percentages of people who are at risk, both from coronavirus um, and uh, vaccine risk. And then there's the other, the, the logical, uh, (laughs) the logical response, which doesn't, which is kind of strange to me. I've heard a few um, anecdotes about places um, saying Oh, you know, we'll get together, but only for vaccinated people. And that doesn't really hold water to me because if you're vaccinated, then you no longer have to fear people who aren't vaccinated. Like you can't catch or transmit the virus anymore. So like if you're vaccinated, you should now basically be coronavirus should not be on your mind at all. You should be not thinking about risks or dangers or anything with regard to coronavirus because you know, assuming the vaccine works long term, which it supposedly should, then you're done. You shouldn't have to wear a mask or distance or do anything. You should be done. Yeah. So you're saying if they if a concert venue said we're only going to let people with with the well, vaccine it just, in, it doesn't actually make sense because those it, yeah because the people it, uh, uh, like the, they yeah, might the, be they might be at risk maybe maybe I mean, but I mean like it goes back to what I've been saying ever since. You know, last year when we initially talked about coronavirus a little bit before we knew that it was going to, you know, be the one year anniversary of two weeks to slow the spread. Um, Like your risk is your own to determine. Right. So like if you want to have a concert and say like vaccinated people only, it doesn't make sense because the vaccinated people are the ones who are safe from coronavirus. And if you're not vaccinated and you go to a concert, then you should be able to accept the risk. Like you're going you're to a concert. Those who are vaccinated. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're not those putting those people at risk. So, so as an individual, what your calculation should be is, hmm, am I scared? Am I really scared of coronavirus? Am I vulnerable to it legitimately? Like, what are my risks here? And if you deem that your risks are high, 
then get the vaccine. And now you have no risk anymore. Like, congratulations, you've eliminated your risk from coronavirus. You may have accepted some risk from unknown long-term effects of the vaccine, maybe, but now you don't have any risk for coronavirus anymore. If you don't, if you think, okay, I'm not vulnerable to coronavirus, that risk isn't very high to me, then you accept the risk of not having the vaccine and go to your concert. And if you get coronavirus, then, well, that's the risk that you took. And that just yeah. seems that seems totally reasonable and very straightforward and fair to me. So how real are the talks of like sort of having a passport thing? Like Um I don't know. I mean, I don't you know, it's a lot more it's probably a lot more of a real thing in the states and countries that have been far more restrictive. Uh, I <laughs> I mean, Given uh, given how Florida has behaved, I doubt you have anything to worry about. In fact, if you had to prove you had the va- you had the vaccine, could you prove that to someone right now? I have a card, which I find funny, by the way. It is a card that they say you cannot laminate, and it has handwritten in my name and the dates I got the shots, and then some like nursing number. nurse number or yeah something. I don't know exactly. It doesn't make total sense to me just looking at it. And yeah. uh, but it, it looks. It's the kind of thing that, like, this, it looks like it'd be easy to replicate, like, unbelievably easy to replicate. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't know if they would even give you give you that. They have a card, and they specifically told me, do not laminate this and hold on to it because it'll be important. That's a little strange. Yeah, I thought so, too. I don't I don't like the sound of that. And it's a card that doesn't fit in your wallet, by the way. So that's a, it's, it's obnoxious. Wonderful. The size of like an index card. Like what am I, like pretty big, you know, what am I going to do with this? Like where, where do I put this? So yeah, I put well, it in the I, console of my car. Like that's just where it's at. Well, given, given Florida's behavior with respect to the virus, which personally I think was you know, one of the best in the country anyway. Although to be fair, I think, I think the country did really poorly, but Florida has had few, relatively few restrictions and everything. I highly doubt that anyone in Florida is going to get away for very long with saying you you need a vaccine passport for to do anything. Like, like what just, do you see the extremes? Like, you're walking into a grocery store and you need to show that. I mean, like, every obviously that would be a weird regression in which people have been able to go to the grocery yeah. store for a while. Like, what? I don't quite get what we're saying. I mean, I'm I, do. It, are we actually talking about it? To, if I'm going to Georgia, they're going to have this big long well, line of cars, and they're like, not in Georgia. I mean, you won't find it. Like, I just don't think you're going to see that happen. If I'm, in, if I'm going in Georgia, to fly, I have to show my driver's license and now my passport. I mean, I my, think it's my vaccine thing. Like, I think it's conceivable that somewhere like New York um, might try to say, if you're flying into New York, then you have to have a vaccine passport if you want to be admitted. Uh, into the state through our airports um that's i think that's a thing that they might that they could conceivably try to do i don't think like i just don't think there's enough reason for it i mean the danger the danger from coronavirus was always low and now it's now it's getting lower every day i mean it's like 30 percent upwards of 30 percent of people have been vaccinated so in the united states so i mean this thing's going away quick do you think are we going to have historical data about what public legislation or rules uh, work and what don't? Or, you know, like, like basically, the is was the government successful or was this overreach? And like, I hope so. I hope like, so. Yeah, it's all I fast hope. right now. We haven't had time to go look at it. But to say something like that, that, that Florida took a more, um, 
I was going to say liberal, but I guess you'd say politically conservative, but, but more <laughs> yeah, liberal. More hilarious. Liberal. Very funny. They took a more freedom-oriented approach. That is to say conservative. Yeah. Uh, you, you get what I'm saying. But like, yeah. they t- so they were just like, eh, whatever. And then New York was like, all right, we're really cracking down. So And then to see what that did. And right. then the problem, well, because obviously different populations and different, you know, urban versus you know all there's so many variables that that if you're just politically entrenched you'll just go ah you can't compare so it's it's not useful but i think we probably can with all these different states and some similarities and maybe and different you can definitely compare we'll be able to figure something out with big groups of people we just will and like this is a unique experiment going on in american history like this is so historical really the data is there the data is there for anyone to look at it's very clear i mean you can you can look at the numbers, you can look at the trends, and you can see that our, our, our attempts to basically do anything to the virus were totally pointless. Uh, states that had really that were very restrictive had very high, high numbers of uh, you know, cases and deaths, New York and New Jersey included. States that had, like Florida is weird, right? Because Florida is like the second oldest state in the country in terms of yeah. the, the age of the people there. You would think that florida would have been oh it would have been rough hard yeah i mean it's warm down there too you know and humid and everything you would just think that it would have been hit really hard but it wasn't it's like right in the middle of the pack of states like it did that's what i don't understand does that suggest we're miss we're missed uh we misunderstand the virus in some way like we keep saying old people that's pretty clear so why didn't it hit florida extra hard like i don't get that um, I mean, there's probably something to be said for density uh, of people. Um, I mean, I we're mean, the second. I thought we were the second most populated state, or third, third, I think, behind California. And yeah. New well, York. I mean, yeah, the population density is similar to to New York overall, but the cities in Florida aren't as dense as New York yeah. City, so that's a difference. Um, but like, even so. Like, there are other states out west, I forget them now, I think it's Arizona or New Mexico or whatever. I mean, there are some states who had lax, um, you know, lax rules similar to Florida, but they had really high numbers of cases and deaths comparatively. And then you have a state like California, which had extraordinarily authoritarian rules on coronavirus. And, you know, their performance is something similar to Florida, um, a little worse than Florida, I think. So, like... Ultimate and there ha- and people have tried to already do studies on the effect of lockdowns and mass mandates and stuff and and everyone has come back and said yeah this basically did nothing this basically had no effect so the only the only thing that seems to have a strong effect is the vaccine like at this point like if you get the vaccine then you're basically done you have uh you have like um, a ninety five percent chance last I heard of being safe from catching or transmitting the virus after you get the vaccine. So you're done. And when you say 95%, do you mean that if I were, if I'm picturing the virus as some, like, like I could see it. If the, if the virus were personified and I were to hang out with it, then there'd be a 95% chance I wouldn't get it. Or do you mean that I just, that's what it means, right? Yeah. Yeah. If someone with the virus got all up in your face and started coughing in your face and saying, ha ha ha, rubbing their hands all over your face, sticking up and sticking their fingers up your nostrils and stuff. Yeah. And saying, here, you're infected, you're infected. Then there'd be a 95% chance that you would just be like, no, I'm not. Right. Which is, you know, cause that's not happening every day anyway. So yeah, that's, what's great. Like, so your, your chance of getting sick is, you know, you're pretty much just, 
immune. Uh, right. Well, I mean, you're, in, even without the vaccine, your chance of getting sick is relatively low. Um, like, apparently, like, I don't actually know what the latest percentage of asymptomatic uh, numbers is, but, I mean, it's high. They, at one point, they estimated that, like, only one in seven or one in eight people had showed symptoms uh, and the rest were asymptomatic. So, like... <clears throat> But with the vaccine, that's reduced, you know, by a further 95%. So you're basically, I mean, you have nothing to worry about. Again, assuming that the vaccine has no long-term side effects, which that's currently unknown. You know, I recall during the lockdown, my first walk outside, uh, I mean, it wasn't long before I went walking outside one, maybe two days. I walked outside and was going on walks. I don't even know if I waited two days. I just remember walking outside and and there was a lot of unknown uh, how safe is it? And I didn't know whether I should be wearing gloves to go deal with the gates. You know, I'm in a gated right, community right. and I'm doing laps and stuff. And I'm and it was just a, a strange thing, like touching that gate and going, "I hope there's not coronavirus <laughs> on it." Or yeah, no. It just as you start to, and then my first time going to the grocery store, and uh, then then like within yeah a couple of weeks, I mean masks were becoming prevalent. I don't know if it was weeks might have been a month or so. I mean, I remember thinking like, where do I get masks? And there's this like clear thing where I'm wearing cloth masks that they've just basically said aren't that effective and yet like that's okay. And so the whole thing feels weird. And then going back to school and are the kids going to wear the masks? I still have to, we're all wearing masks and I still have to wipe down tables and there's some protocol. Um, And there's like the first absolute small hint of loosening up in which we have these one-way stairwells. So only you can, like we had changed things and had these signs, you you must go up the stairwell and you must go down this stairwell to keep the flow of traffic. And we've, uh, we have undone that, but we're not undoing anything else. Uh, And so that's dangerous. (laughs) You're walking a dangerous line there. (laughs) How many, how many kids have died since you changed the staircases? Oh, none, none of time. None kids. No, not at all. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously I'm being, I'm being uh, facetious, but yeah, like I hope, you know, to back to your original question, will we look back on this and learn from it and study it? I hope so. We must, like we, we can't just sweep this under the rug and say, oh yeah, remember that? That was a crappy year and a half, two years. That was bad. Oh, well, we'll just move on along. No, no. We must look at this and analyze it and say, yeah, we were pretty insane. We were pretty crazy for that year and a half. Like we need to get ourselves under control and learn how to deal with, with both bad things that happen, natural events, uh, our emotional reactions and how we disseminate and take in information. Like we need to take a good hard look at all of these things and and come back to reality and ground ourselves a little bit. Because we, we take- were we were insane. I mean, it's a, it's like here's the analogy that that I liken it to is it's as if you are walking outside and a bee lands on your finger and stings you in the finger and frightened that you might be allergic to the bee sting, you take the nearest machete and hack your arm off. That's what we did. That was our past year and a half. That was our kind of reaction. Uh, hacking the arm off. <laughs> hacking our arm off to make sure that you don't have an allergic reaction to a bee sting. That's what we did. Uh, totally insane. 
And yeah, we need to look back and study this and, and realize that, yeah, maybe we should chill out a little bit. It's funny because we've been talking for a while about what does it mean to be interconnected more than ever before and not knowing how to process the information and how upsetting things can be if you're just bombarded with bad news or, or and the, these algorithms have gotten smart enough to know that you respond to anger well, so, or not you, but like people, people respond to anger well, they'll, they'll keep you on the website if they show you something you disagree with, followed mm-hmm. by, like, whatever. I don't know what the recipe is, but if it's like two parts agreement and one part anger or something, and it, so you're getting pumped a steady diet of anger and fear and things. And so all of that's at play, and we haven't sorted through all the psychological damage, and we're all like primed to be scared and upset and and manipulated and then this happens Mm -hmm. and and there's like legitimate question marks around it initially and and so it became this it is it's just like how do you like i by my from my understanding of the world there's just going to be like some bad things going on all the time and this might be worse <laughs> than normal you know this might be a hundred year plague or whatever I, I think i've heard that term thrown out there but like there'll be tragedies that we collectively must deal with and we were at a weird place our collective psyche was at a weird place when this happened and so we responded differently than we ever have before because yeah. we have new technologies like never before so but that's that's what's upsetting is did we do any better than in the past well actually yeah we we got a vaccine that's pretty freaking cool but we did some other weird stuff too that we need to look back and go that part was you know like you said insane <laughs> or not useful or yeah totally uh, crazy i mean it would be as if <clears throat> like imagine that hurricanes were a lot less frequent in florida um yeah and so and a hurricane comes along uh, it would be as if the united states of america the whole country said we have this deadly hurricane coming towards florida millions of people are going to be impacted by this so we're going to evacuate florida georgia alabama mississippi louisiana south carolina north carolina and tennessee Everyone in those states must evacuate. We require it. You all have to move out into, you know, the western half of the country, the northern part of the country, uh, because you're all you're all vulnerable and susceptible to this that's an, hurricane. That's an interesting thought, by the way. Like, if it were very rare and it was some big hurricane, and that you're so you could see all the econ, uh, all the, uh, 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 oh my gosh, the weather clouds. Oh. The weather scientists, all the, the their models and stuff show which weatherologists. Way yeah, that is it. The weatherologist. So, <laughs> so they all project these paths in various ways, and you know, obviously, it, it, it pitters out. Any hurricane does, but like they can be pretty scary looking models as they mm-hmm. hit America, and you see it. And so, I could see like us, like the layman or anyone looking at these models and going, oh my God, and it's going to reach over into Texas, so evacuate that too, or it could. Yeah. One of the models shows so that. Get so, out of there. So it's we dangerous. All, it, that's an interesting... Well, it's uh, a good analogy because just like with coronavirus, there's nothing you can do to stop a hurricane. Uh, you know, it's not like you can... Everyone get outside and blow their fans at the hurricane and blow it away. You can't Shoot do their that. Guns at it. Yeah. Like the only, the only thing you can do is mitigate a natural disaster. And coronavirus, although likely manufactured, you know, it it was essentially a natural disaster. Right. Um, it played I mean, it was, for every purpose. It played like one anyway. So. Right. It was a, a virus that at least once manufactured and released spread naturally. Um, 
And so there's not really anything you can do about that. I mean, the fact that we were able to develop a vaccine is pretty miraculous uh, in that span of time. So that's great. That's something that you can't do with a hurricane. But but without that technology, without that ability, there's really nothing you can do about it except mitigate. And so, you know, what do we what do you do when a hurricane comes? Uh, you know, the people who, you know, their houses are in the area with the most danger. And if the hurricane is especially intense, then they evacuate. Other people, you know, they've strengthened their house. They reinforce their windows and their roofs and all of that. And, you know, they go get in their basement or whatever, and they weather the storm. And that's how they take care of it. But, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> most so, people most people survive a hurricane. And we don't, you know, we don't collectively freak out countrywide about the small people who are vulnerable to the hurricane. So, uh, obviously, metaphors fall short at some point like a a hurricane is going to run its course i don't understand enough about um you know covid or or any any sort of disease that like if left completely unmitigated would it not just get worse and spread more is it just or do they honestly die out similarly do they just sort of well you you i mean catching coronavirus is essentially the same as getting the vaccine in, in a way i mean you can't catch it again uh not in any, you know, there have been isolated cases of people supposedly catching it again, um, maybe some mutation or variant or whatever. But to my knowledge, there's no one who has caught it twice and died after already catching it once. Similarly, on a on another note, as far as I'm aware, no one has no one who has been vaccinated has caught the virus and died. Um, so that's another point in the vaccines column. But uh, yeah, the viruses, you know, they tend to run their course. Uh, they enough people catch the virus and recover from the virus that they're immune afterwards and can no longer spread it. Once you have enough people who can't spread the virus, then yeah, it just kind of dies out or becomes a small seasonal thing like the flu. That's what I was wondering. Is it going to be a small seasonal thing now? Yeah, it probably will be. Yeah. Well, I mean, since so many people are getting vaccinated, it might legitimately become even less, even smaller than the flu if enough people are vaccinated and it can't spread. I mean, if, if there's no one to spread it, then even the people who are unvaccinated can't catch it, right? So, um, I mean, it sounds like there's going to be a wild percentage vaccinated. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure it'll probably reach it'll probably reach 60% of people, maybe. I mean, next vaccinated. week, every everyone who is 16 or older at my school, they're just bringing people in to give them shots, so like yeah, yeah I mean, on campus that day so yeah definitely the people are allowed to get the vaccine even kids now for the most part um but there's always going to be some portion of the population who either can't get the vaccine or won't get the vaccine like for example my mom she has allergies and she's been advised not to get the vaccine because she could have an allergic re- reaction to it right. and i i will not get the vaccine um because I, well, firstly, I don't need it, and secondly, because the long-term risks are unknown at this point. So, like that risk risk benefit calculation doesn't work out for me. For so some people, perc- it does. So, what percentage do you think fall into your camp? I mean, do you think that's twenty percent of the population? Do you think it's a lot higher than that? That just I'm um, just curious. I think it's guessing. probably. I would say. I would guess, just guess, maybe between thirty and forty percent of the population are not going to get the vaccine and if you break down that group of people i would say probably half of those people are just 
they're suspicious or stubborn or you know they have motivations that are misaligned they're actively not doing it yeah yeah they're 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 basically saying i don't trust this um whether because of the 5g antennas or you know (laughs) whatever the china chinese nanobots whatever the case is like they're not going to get it because they don't trust it um and you know i guess in a way i'm in that camp i don't trust it but it's not because i don't trust vaccines just broadly speaking it's because well the fact of the matter is we developed this thing in a really really short amount of time and it is a different vaccine technology and we're not totally sure that there aren't long-term side effects and while that risk is probably very low i mean it's probably extraordinarily low it's not zero and so there's a question mark of risk for me in getting the vaccine. It's just a question mark. I don't know what that risk is. The risk for me from actually catching coronavirus, I actually know what that risk is. It's like 1 in 10,000 people my age range uh, die from coronavirus. That's a risk that I'm willing to take because I'm in good health too. So. 1 in 10,000 that get it, right? So. Yeah, that are guaranteed. You know, If I was guaranteed to catch coronavirus tomorrow, I would have a 1 in 10,000 chance approximately of dying. And I'm, I'm just willing to take that risk because, you know, I'm not even guaranteed to catch coronavirus. So that, that risk is just so low. And, and, and if I don't die, the 9,999 out of 10,000 chance, you know, when I catch coronavirus, what, what's the bad thing that's going to happen to me? I'm going to feel bad for, you know, seven or eight days or something. And I felt bad for two. So. Yeah, and, and you felt bad for two. You've guaranteed yourself bad feeling days for two. And you have a question mark probably a really small question mark of unknown long-term consequences that you can probably write off um and right but it's not zero like you said but it's not zero but that's your situation uh and, eh, and but but i guess on the positive side like you were saying you now have the the social whatever like you is you it can capital now, yeah it, i guess it is capital like unfortunately it's capital you can say i've been vaccinated i'm a good boy and yeah people will pat you on the back and say you're a hero and clap and everything but of course, like, and you, I guess you have your little card in your glove box too that you can use to get into VIP vaccine <laughs> there's parties. There's lots of affirmation I've received from this. Yeah, I got a sticker, and you know, there's the your vote you voted sticker. There's the yeah. uh, you got vaccinated, you got vaccinated. sticker. That's it's nice. a very similar sticker. Like yeah, the pride of that sticker is like it's very same, it's worthy yeah. of social media posts. People are oh. bra- like it's a bragging. I mean, I suspect it's more because we don't get to collectively participate in, I mean, we're such a fragmented society, so many different interests and like niches over here and here and here. So it's neat when you all, when we all participate in something. That's probably why political rhetoric is so nasty and weird is because it's one of the few times we all kind of have the same conversation. Mm -hmm. So we just, so sadly, that's too much energy (laughs) directed at something. Well, I wish, see, I don't, I I like the idea of having some social cohesion and all bonding together to take one important action. I just wish that the important action was actually important. Like, I don't, like, I'm just not convinced that we all, we need to have this massive vaccination push. And and like I say, our reaction to coronavirus, in my opinion, was wildly, we just had a gigantic overreaction anyway. Like, if this was something that legitimately killed a, a, a large percentage of people and, like, had long-term effects and was seriously dangerous, or, you know, if, if this was a war situation and, you know, we had some 
country who was our enemy and we had to go fight them off or an invasion or terrorist bombing or whatever. Like if we had something that was a serious threat to either the health of um, a a large portion of our nation or, or the nation itself, then, you know, it would, it would feel good to be able to bond socially against that threat. But this just was not threatening enough to warrant this kind of reaction. Um, It seems like a fake Seems like a fake reaction. Like, that's my opinion. It seems like kind of a virtue signaling kind of reaction. The voter stickers, it, it all feels like that. And certainly the, ma- the masks, especially people who have been vaccinated, continuing to wear masks um, and badger people who, who aren't wearing masks. That just seems like, okay, I can see the game you're playing now. I don't think we'll have, I can't think of a collective that the buy-in would be so great though like if it was let's say the the, a terrorist bombing or some threat with an enemy you're gonna have a large swath of the population saying we are oversimplifying the enemy and or you know dehumanizing the enemy that's true you you certainly will and i mean but i mean 9-11 was only 10 years ago right and that was a very (laughs) what 20 years ago Oh, um, that was, I mean, that was a very unifying event, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, there, you still had people who said, oh, you're being, you know, Islamophobic or whatever. You're targeting the wrong people, blah, 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 blah. But it was still a unifying event. And, you know, Americans and and non-Americans came together and rallied um, against terrorism. And there was a lot of cohesion. I mean, like, it's unthinkable in our current politicized situation but george w bush after 9-11 had i mean he had like a upwards of 70 percent approval rating or something it was something crazy like that right it's like we need him to have like we need whoever's leading like to we need to just approve of them for a moment you know right i think that's part of it too yeah we just need to come together i mean right. during wartime like americans get along well or or any nation yeah, sure. Because you a say screw, screw these like little political differences. Like let's like we need we need each other. Let's let's rely on one another. Well, so. honestly, I think we're like I think if if we could if we could open our eyes and stop being deluded by social media and media media, then we could try to get a media, little bit of media. that. <laughs> we we could try to get a little bit of that cohesion now. Anyway, I mean, like the threats aren't as. They're they're not as prominent as you know an attacking enemy force or anything like that. So it's you know it's a, the the um, the magnitude of the threat is just lower and less apparent. But I mean there are things we could rally against. I mean our country has an insane amount of debt. Uh, I mean I think there are always good causes that we can fight against, like poverty and hunger and all of that kind of thing. Even though you know those things are in relatively short supply in the United States, it would be a more fruitful endeavor to rally against those sorts of things. Or, or like China, China itself is that we have a hostile relationship with China. It would be a good thing for Americans to bond against that. Like our economic relationship with countries like China is really poor. Like it would be a good thing for Americans to be able to bond against that. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem possible. People can't do that. We'd almost rather fight with each other. Yeah, than it's fight against weird. The common enemy. You know? It's weird, right? Like I don't, I don't really get it. Like, what yeah. happened to people being able to just keep their uh, their political opinions kind of to themselves? And you know, like you have your neighbor, 
and you don't know what they think or what they believe about this or that, and they're cutting their grass, and you wave to them, and you say, like, oh, you missed a spot, and ha, you sucker, and, you know, you go inside or whatever, and that's your relationship with them. Uh, but now people have, you know, they have flags waving around and signs posted everywhere and stickers and whatnot, and it's just like, why does anyone care? Well, I think if you want the system to crash, you you say you got to fan flames. Uh, yeah, I guess and that's so, it. So there's this interesting thing to say something like, if you're going to accuse the system of being fundamentally flawed, you say something like, oh, everything you just said, Bennett, was part of perpetuating this system and all of its flawed, systemic flaws. So yeah, by, yeah. by having everyone politely get along, no. So, so get what, this is an interesting thought, though. Before you right, dismiss, right. I, I mean, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not dismissing it. I'm. I'm just. Yeah. I, I, but the thought's interesting to go. Okay. No. 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 Like, in order, if if your goal is to get the system to fall apart, you have to say, you're not allowed to be quiet about it. Knowing right. that the second you make your case of, you can't be quiet about it. It's immoral to be quiet about it. Yep. Now you're fanning flames, and that means the that it that will perpetuate the system crashing, or it will like further lead to the system crashing. Um, and that's so it isn't isn't really about uh, stating your political point. It's it, it's, about it's not the, it's not about the point. It's about stating it, and so stating it will lead to further destruction. Right. So everyone stating their political points, regardless of whether it's that, will lead to further destruction. But do you really that's, believe? I, I see what you're saying, and I think that you're right on the money with. It. I think you're right that there's there are people who they're interested just in destruction. Um, yeah, I, and, I, and to and to try to be charitable to them, they're not only interested in destruction; they're interested in rebuilding something in the way are, in the way that they yes. want at the other end of that. And yes. you know, you could debate about whether that is whether what they want to rebuild is good or bad. Um, but they're but for the now, they're interested in destruction. They want to destroy, you know, the institutions and the order and the the uh, the status quo that exists. That they want to destroy that. But yep. do you really think that? Everyone who wears their I voted sticker and their, um, you know, their coronavirus mask and posts, you know, their uh, hashtag on their Instagram with whatever, you know, whatever current fad. Do you think those people are interested in destroying? Like, do you think that's their motivation or do you think what's going on with them then? Uh, I mean, that term useful idiots comes to mind. (laughs) Um, yeah. I th- I think uh, I think that the way we have the habits we've learned to engage in is just like being political can can gain you some cultural capital in most of your social. I mean, like all my ninth graders are political little beings now, and that just wasn't the case ten years ago. Just wasn't. Oh, the case. that so. hurts. That hits me, man. Like God, but, can you imagine? No, think back to your ninth grade year. Can you imagine how? How much better things you could have to spend your time on than political nonsense? Well, honestly, you're you're still like you're like discovering like ooh, I like I like this girl. I have this crush. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to talk to like people. <laughs> I'm just trying to learn how to talk at the lunch table, much less try and talk about global issues or national issues. I'm trying to. So it's a it is it's just a hot mess to be a ninth grader at any time in the world. But I. I particularly feel for them right now because they need to be some they have to have some sort of national consciousness they have to have some sort of global they have to have some sort of interpersonal already like like instead of just saying like 
the gossip of the day is whatever and which teachers you like and don't like that pretty standard you know stuff like you've got those additional layers and you have to learn all these layers of etiquette in yeah. social media world that like I'm frankly not privy to and in which well they change all the time as they well. change all the time it's exhausting and they they're exhausted I think and they're not Look, well, they're and, no and, they're no more savvy than I am. They're just they're just thrown into it. So they're right, living right. in a world disoriented perpetually. Like it's disorienting enough to be a ninth grader. It just well, is. And now you you're, of, you're, you're even more so, like tenfold. So of course that's depressing or anxiety and in, 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 in well, hey, Oh man, it's just terrible, man. What's worse about it though <sighs> is that like you know when we were when we were teenagers, I mean posturing has always been around. You always try to posture yourself to be socially acceptable yeah. or cool or whatever. Yeah. You and didn't so, know that? You know, so, I have this knowledge. So. Right. But, I mean, we would posture about things like, you know, the the R-rated movie that we saw or whatever the coolest movie yeah. that was out or, you know, do I play Xbox or GameCube or, you know, you posture in all of these little ways. Yep. But, man, that sounds so innocuous when compared with political posturing and media narratives and that that just sounds so tiresome, you know? Like, it just seems like a real loss of innocence sort of thing to have a ninth grader. They, like, they don't have any real knowledge. They don't have right. any real experience about, you know, how to govern the world or run the country or even about internal domestic issues, taxes or social justice or whatever. They really don't know jack crap about any of it. And yet they're having they're having to... Not because they care about social justice or the environment or whatever. That's all outside of their realm of experience. They're having to imbibe these narratives and present these postures to be socially accepted. And man, that just seems like it seems like a damaging route because, you know, not only is it a loss of innocence, but you're also you're constructing a worldview for yourself simply because simply because of social acceptance like it just seems very unhealthy like think about it this way if you were to go back in time a few decades six or seven decades or something like it almost Mm -hmm. seems like smoking cigarettes you know that's the cool thing to do that's what makes you cool it's a social you're not smoking cigarettes because it feels good tastes good looks good whatever you're doing it simply because it's cool and you get social you get social points for it and it's a damaging thing. It's a physically damaging thing. You're giving yourself an addiction. Um, you know, you're doing damage to your body. You know, decades in the future, you could have lung cancer or or whatever. To me, it seems like a similar sort of thing. Kids now, they're they're getting they're taking these political positions. They're building a worldview for themselves that they may just because of inertia stick with, and it could end up being damaging to them in the long term. And meanwhile, you could be arguing about you know, Xbox or PlayStation or something instead. And that's just a much more innocuous kind of posturing to do. I, well, I agree. I do think there's an order of operations to growing up, generally speaking. And one of them is this, you know, you kind of figure, this is oversimplified, but you figure yourself out who you are a little bit and you go and then you figure out how to interact with others socially. And then you get into sort of big, bigger issues. So that interpersonal relations, right? That's what I mean by right, interacting right. with others. Then it goes and expands to what what you might call social issues or generalizing to bigger, bigger groups and bigger issues. But if you kind of skip that step, I mean, honestly, if I were in ninth grade with a huge crush on a girl and she 
was whatever political disposition. She's like woke and she's posting a bunch of stuff all the time. I'm going to like, I, I, I recall having crushes on girls and like when you're young, I was just like, since I have a crush on them, whatever they endorse, I find attractive as well because that might help me be attractive. You know, pretty simple mm-hmm, way yeah. of thinking, but like if they don't like this person, I also think this person's trash. Uh, if they like this this stuff, I like it too. Right. Um, so if they were, you know, whatever end of the spectrum politically, I would have just been deeply influenced by that. And their political orientation as a ninth grader is probably dictated by just whatever stupid whims as well. So right. um, I guess there, there could be an argument to be made that in some ways you go through that and it was traditional to go through that in college and you get kind of probably yeah. extreme on one end or another. And then you go, huh, that was a little naive or a little simple. Right. Uh, and, and maybe they're getting that out of the way in ninth grade. I think that's the silver lining possibility, <laughs> but I don't, I think it's, I think it's more nefarious than insidious than that. I think that they're trying, the ninth grader is asked to juggle way too freaking much. I would say academics have gotten much harder college competitiveness like in ninth grade or ninth grade i was not thinking about college and i get my kids are absolutely thinking about college and mm-hmm. prepping and like having meetings about it already and i kind of feel for them like really they're in ninth yeah. grade and they're getting I mean, stressed and talking uh, about which ones they want and making lists and that's part that's also part of their by the way that is part of their culture along with the politics along with all the other things it's just they have too much they have too much on their shoulders yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, some of that is the culture of your particular school. True. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, the average ninth grader in the country probably isn't. But, like, as you get more competitive, yes, like, yeah. that is just... that. I mean, that strikes me as a loss of innocence thing, too. You know, like, yeah. if, you, if you have to spend all of your time, you know, you're not enjoying the high school experience for, for what it is. You're thinking about college. It makes you wonder if when you get to college, you'll even be able to enjoy that or not. I just, yeah, I just think school is, is difficult. I think, uh, well, I think I, I am talking from perspective of my kids right now, the kids I teach. Ugh, they just have too much on their shoulders, for sure. Like, there's no doubt. Um, and, and the political aspect is, I think, particularly rough. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it would definitely be, I can see that being the case where, you know, maybe you know it is a loss of innocence but they've just lost it a little earlier and you know they come to a more rational like maybe by the time they're 23 they will they will have moderated a little bit and and been able to rationalize their positions rather than just you know accepting whichever way the wind's blowing around them at the time which when you're in ninth grade that's just how you you know that's how you are like it's not like you have the the life experience to be able to stake out a well-articulated political position, well-rounded as well. But maybe well, I, by but, the time, maybe by the time they're 23, they will have been exposed because they're in that world earlier. They will have been exposed to the arguments. They will have had their embarrassing, you know, arguments with people who thought differently than them and made a fool of themselves um, a few times, and they will have moderated a bit. That is a silver lining. I still think it's a loss of innocence. It's the same as, you know. If kids are having sex at 13 and 14 or 12 or whatever, then it's like, yeah, maybe they learn how to have a healthier sexual relationship eventually, but that doesn't mean it's not a loss of innocence for them to start it so early. Yeah, no, I agree. 
I just I just don't I don't think that the, the indulging early is much of a benefit. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't think it's much of a benefit. I would I would I would rather have it so that kids can be kids. I mean, we live long lives, right? I mean, well, not really. But. You do. You live a long time. And with recent advances in medical science, <laughs> you can expect to live for 70 or 80 years, even I mean, 90 years. Right. I mean, yeah. No, and so true, when you so. live for 100 years, you know, you can spend, you, you can afford to spend a lot of time being a kid when you're going to live to 110 years old. <laughs> you don't have to get it all out of the way earlier. And you can, I mean, just spread it out spread it out a little bit until you're 20 or 25 and then and then when you're 120 when you live to be 120 you can look back on it and appreciate that time that you had after you're 130 years old and when you die yep. at 140 or 150 you can say you lived an appropriately spread out life over uh, your 100 160 years or whatever yeah yeah or whatever um there is a rush 170 170 years <laughs> even <laughs> so loud <laughs> Um, no, there, there seems to be a rush to grow up. And actually that's what, that's what technology, like, like how we yeah. process information as you get it, you want to yeah. grow up faster. And, and so it rob. I think one of the drawbacks to everything is how it robs us of a childhood quicker and for, for every reason under the sun. So. Well, that's, that's why I think that one of the skills that we're lacking, you know, just as a society right now is the, the we're lacking the skill of ignorance. That sounds really weird, doesn't it? But we're, <laughs> we're lacking the ability to to ignore things. Um, we're lacking... We, well, we, discernment then? I mean, like, to yeah, be able to discernment. focus on what is important and, I guess, ignore what isn't. Yeah. Right. And maybe discernment is a better word. We're lacking discernment and patience. Um, we, our attention, we allow our attention to be pulled this way and that just constantly. Um and it's and I understand it like when something new and exciting happens or you know when you read this on social media or news story or whatever pop culture whatever it is like you want to pay attention to it oh, yeah. but but you know I think there's something to be said for for just living your own life in your own space and having your own firsthand experiences rather than trying to live vicariously through the you know through the posts and twitters of uh you know of everyone else well I, I think when people get on youtube and go down rabbit holes for hours or spend time on tiktok or whatever it's like there, there's obviously multiple reasons one would do that but like you have access to the world at your fingertips you can you you kind of if you have access to it there almost feels a weird sense of I don't know if the word's responsibility, but you don't want to miss out. Um, the FOMO. And, yeah. And so you're on there both passing time with mundane videos, but also it's tough to make a decision. from If, if we have access to everything, then any one thing seems fairly like, do I really want to do this? Like, it seems silly to go do laundry when I could, like, listen to a profound lecture. Like, I'm always, there's there's competition for every decision. There used to not be competition. Right. And so now we have a near infinite amount of competition. And at, either the younger we are or just uh, 
as a human, like I'm just like, ah, I'm not that great with decision making. So you end up numbly scrolling through these digital worlds with infinite information and uh, hours pass. And weirdly, you didn't really engage with any of it and you did nothing, but, and you didn't do your laundry either. So <laughs> right, right. it's this strange effect where like, so the person who might seem like a Luddite or something who they did, they cleaned their room and they did their laundry and they're like, and so then the person on the computer is like, oh, what, what an idiot. They have no idea about this meme culture or this particular world thing happening. Right. But, but like, who's healthier and who, who feels more fulfilled? Because the one person with the dirty room and the laundry, a little overwhelmed, they didn't do their homework, whatever. They're feeling a little anxiety encroach in their life. And the person who just kind of lives a simpler life, uh, I, I it, it really is a case for simplicity for me. Right. I think there is... I think that there's a case to be made for, well, it's for discernment and moderation. Like, there's no denying that the world is at your fingertips and that you, you're exposed to, you have the ability to be exposed to more information than ever before in a flash, right? You could you could entertain yourself or learn something at, at any given moment. You could drown in the opportunity of all the information there is. But but I think I think it actually speaks to a stronger need for thoughtfulness and planning of what your path is and what you need to learn and what you need to expose yourself to. Like you need to be able to chart your way through this mire of information so that you can see where you're going Um, rather than like you say, you know, sitting for a couple of hours, just scrolling through crap, like instead dictate to yourself what it, you know, what it is that you need to look for. Um, like I think the Luddite, the you know the simple life person that you mentioned, who's just cleaning his room and doing his laundry, and you know not getting absorbed on the internet or whatever. Like there may be a downside into that, which is you know maybe he needs to, uh, like maybe his uh, his dishwasher breaks or something, mm-hmm. um, and he says, well nothing I can do about that. Call a repairman, whatever. Whereas the internet junkie could you know look up a youtube video on how to repair the dishwasher because you know you can find that information right and they could make the dishwasher repair but i think there's a case to be made for you know some kind of middle ground there where you you allow yourself you you have the capability to at any moment you know look up information that you need but you don't just wallow in unneeded information all the time um if that makes sense, like no, it's, it it's, a, it's a discern, it's a discernment thing. Like only, only jump into that pool of information when, when you have somewhere you need to swim, you know? Yeah. And when it feels nice to get in that information anyway, then you can waste time. And like, it's attractive. I don't want to go do laundry after this podcast. That's the first thing I'm doing. And I'm going to try to use that as a snowball. I need to vacuum. I need to do some of these things. And so I ha- for me in order to get it done, instead of watching some dumb YouTube videos, which I'd rather do, like I have to align it with like, like that stuff will help me with anxiety. It'll help me with everything. It'll it's like it's like battling for my mental health. So I actually try to link doing something mundane as laundry with something as important as mental health. And that and that seems almost the making that connection is tough. And most people would probably scoff. But the link to me is not abstract. It's actually really explicit. And so, uh, and it's become explicit over 10 years of working towards seeing it as explicit and, and seeing the benefits of, 
you know, a clean place and a clean, clean place, clean mind kind of thing. <laughs> well, and an and, empty to-do list. And uh. an empty to-do list and a sense of accomplishment. And, and you, I was saying my give a damn is broken, but like, how do I fix it? Well, start by doing my laundry. I mean, literally, like, and just sort of have faith in the system I've created that will sort of lead to a snowball of, of potential motivation. Yeah, like checking things off a to-do list starts to get me energy and feel like oh i can do this that success leads to something and i mean i'm i really think i am on to something there that oh yeah uh, i totally agree i mean i'm the same way you know i like to get my tasks my chores done quick just get them over with because like i love having an empty to-do list when i don't have any responsibilities to take care of ah you know i can relax i can I can do whatever I want now because I've done all the stuff that needs to be done. And and on the flip side, if I'm really busy um, and, I, and I have a lot of things piling up that I have to do, it's stressful. I can't even I can't I can't adequately enjoy my time when I know that. But because you know we're beings of limited energy, and when you run out of energy and still have things on your to do list, you don't do the things on your to do list because you're feeling tired, and so you sit there. And you try to recoup some of your energy, but you're always thinking, oh, I still have to do this and this and this, and I don't have energy yet. And that's and anxiety that's the, for me. That's, that's anxiety. Yeah, that's the worst, right? Ugh. Yeah. yeah. And the less things I have on my list, the more I build those things up. So if it's the summer and I have some time off, and let's say on Thursday I have to go do, I have to go get my license renewed or something for some right. that, that Thursday I'll be thinking about it. it'll be rough. But if I'm busy during the school year and I have a Thursday after school appointment, guess what? I'm not thinking about it until Thursday day of, or maybe right. Wednesday night I'll look at my schedule. And go, oh yeah, I'm doing that. And I just so so the fuller your to do list is actually the the more peace you just do it you enter a different headspace whereas if you only have a few things you get to ruminate over it and complain or or think about and when really you know in actuality doing it is not that big of a deal but but laboring over the thought of doing it that costs something yeah i had funny. a uh, on that topic uh i i had an experience earlier in the week where um i had a bunch of dishes piled up in the sink i just, i didn't i didn't Gross. wash dishes yeah, I didn't wash them like I should have. They weren't dirt. I, well, I rinse things off as soon as I use them, but I don't run them through the dishwasher immediately. I just pile them in the sink. Anyway, like I had a big pile of dishes. I cooked earlier in the week as well, and um, like I really didn't want to wash them. And I uh, I took a break from working and looked at the clock, and it was like it was in the morning. It was like ten thirty or something, and I was like, oh uh, well, it's morning. I better go ahead and knock out these dishes. It's, Oh, I really, I was really dreading doing the dishes. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I just did the dishes. And then when I looked at the clock, it was 1038. And I was like, man, you know, all of that dread that I felt for washing the dishes, like it was eight minutes. It took me eight minutes to wash the dishes. <laughs> like, honestly, is there, was there any, like the, the dread of doing the dishes was so much worse than just spending eight minutes to wash the dishes. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's what's funny. <laughs> Like these chores in our mind, like when you think about something being reduced to eight minutes, like that's eight just, minutes, just nothing. Yeah. That's so inconsequential. Like, just do the eight minutes. Just do the eight minutes and get it over with. Like vacuuming, you know, you don't. You got to vacuum or do your laundry. I mean, it takes minutes. It takes scant minutes. This is not a huge chore. Just do it and get it out of the way. Even if your energy's low, eight minutes. Like even if 
even if I had just gotten my vaccine and felt crappy, I could wash dishes for eight minutes and just get it over with, you know? I think it says something that, like, no one would accuse you or me, frankly, of being lazy. Like, we have systems, we're organized, we have order in our lives, and we get, we, we accomplish our tasks. But, like, the reality is we're all lazy. We just have systems and trust in those systems that work effectively. Like, you were lazy about those dishes and all. Like, or, like, like whatever you want to call it, we're, all, we're, we're lazy, but we have systems to combat the lazy. What we do... If, it's not that you, we're not saying, lazy. Are you when you say we? Are you saying you and me personally? I actually say or you, you and me. You and me are not, or, or actually, we're all lazy. All humans are lazy, and uh-huh. the reason you and I would not be perceived as lazy is because we combat our laziness effectively. It's not that we're not lazy. It's just that we have right. systems that combat it effectively. Yes, that's. I would agree with that. Like that's. Yeah, the, I mean that's why difference. I. That's yeah. why I do things the way I do is so that I get things done with. And combat that laziness, yeah. I guess I never thought of it that way, but every person I know, like like we have perceptions of how human or people are and how they're hardworking or not hardworking or whatever. If you were to say there was a laziness scale, but the reality is, if you know any person and you like were to like be really good friends with them or follow them around or whatever, like we are, we all have limited energy, like you're talking about. And we're all kind of lazy. And those who have le- varying degrees of success, it's all about how they combat the laziness, not whether or not they are lazy. Like, yeah, no, it's just a given we're lazy. That's the reality. Now, how do you, how do you, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to manage that? And that's a, that's actually kind of a freeing thought. I never thought yeah, of it that way. But that like, is, I like that. That's kind of an inspiring thing. Well, I mean, it puts the control into your hands, you know, and it, it frees you of guilt too, because, you know, you can recognize that everyone is inherently lazy um and so there's nothing to feel guilty about and you have the power to to be perceived as not lazy if you just do what you need to do so yeah Yeah. that's an inspiring thought yeah laziness screw you yeah screw laziness um i saw before i i have a new segment that i want to get to to round out uh the podcast this time but i i I forgot a thing that i was going to mention to you that happened to me just earlier when i was walking around the lake um Mm I saw this weird guy. He was carrying a, it looked like a bow, like a bow and arrow bow. Um, okay. But, but not like a compound bow, but like an old style, like wooden. Like you'd actually. Yeah. Bow with the string on it, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't a bow. Uh, it just looked like that. It was like this piece of, I think it was like a pipe. It wasn't PVC. I don't, I'm not sure what the material was, but it was an arched piece of material with the wire connecting it and it was under tension and he had this stick in his right hand kind of like a drumstick and he was bonging the (laughs) wire i mean this thing was big it was like it was probably five or six feet long this arch of wood it was and and he was he's hitting it with the stick yeah he was holding it yes he was holding it vertically uh you know holding the bottom end of it and it was reaching way up above his head he had to like like a one string harp yes yes like a one string harp and he was holding it up right in front of him, and he was just bonging it with the stick. Bong, 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 bongity, bong, 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 The same rhythm. The same rhythm, not varying constantly. Actually, he was he was a good ways in front of me when I started walking around the lake, and I heard it you know, through the distance of sound, and I thought it was just another person with their self crappy cell phone tinny speakers playing music. Bong, 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 bongity, bong. I thought it was just... he's walking doing this, or he's... Yeah, he's walking. Okay. Um, 
I thought it was just cell phone music, and I even like grumbled to myself. I was like, oh, here's another one of these cell phone guys. Yeah, noise pollution. Like, just Noise polluters just yeah. playing their crap while they're out walking around the lake. And I was grumbling to myself, and as I got closer, I was like, this music sucks. It's just my... <laughs> It's just bang 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 That's what it was. It was just as annoying as that. Yeah, yeah. That was the beat. It's pretty funny hearing you do it though. Yeah. And and I thought this song sucks, but it kept going and when I got closer I saw him holding this thing and I was like, "Man, what is this guy's deal?" And I, you know, I was walking slightly faster than him, but only slightly, so I got the the luxury, the joy of hearing it for you know a number of minutes as I caught up to him, passed him, and then kept going and just heard it behind me. But I, I didn't was stop and ask him. Yeah, he was alone. He was. It's a nice, beautiful spring day out, and he was wearing like a hoodie and long pants and a big, thick old coronavirus mask and carrying his one string harp and bong bong bongity bong in it the whole time, the whole time, all the way around the two mile path of the lake. That's, Weird, that was interesting. Man. I was going to ask if he was like a hippie. I didn't know what to like. It, or, or... It, no, he didn't look like a hippie. He looked. He was wearing like a a normal hoodie and normal tennis shoes, and he just looked like a normal. I mean, he was covered up. I couldn't see his face or anything because he was wearing. And he was dressed warm for the warm weather. You're he, saying too? Yeah, he was dressed a little warmly for the weather, but I don't know. He was just out there bow practicing or <laughs> well that's whatever. what he's walking as well which it, it, i i mean this contraption i don't understand but you would typically imagine not be walking while playing it or was it is, is it actually an instrument or did he just go this it makes did not look sound. like an instrument it didn't look like an instrument <laughs> it looked like a piece of junk like and he it looked like something that like you know you would have at a construction site or whatever and you'd loop the wire around the two ends and he just happened to like hit it with his hammer once and it made a funny noise and he was like <laughs> i like this exactly it's, i like it the and behavior he it up you're describing is something like a kid then or like a 15 yeah. year old like, but this was, guy was taller was... than me no okay. he was a big dude he was bigger than me he was for sure. not a kid you know he was not a kid that's for sure walking around bonging this thing around the lake i don't get it it was bad. It wasn't like a good, cool beat or anything. Like you know, sometimes yeah, you have people. He wasn't experimenting with it. He wasn't warming up because he was doing it for too long. It was the same you know? beat. He wasn't play. <laughs> he wasn't like showing off. He wasn't some eccentric artist banging on his you know yeah. upside down um, buckets you know on the sidewalk making right. street street music or whatever. <laughs> it wasn't like that. It was just some dude. He didn't even seem to be seeking attention. You know, other than the fact that he was being unusual. It wasn't like he was navigating to areas with lots of people and bonging his bow he wasn't doing that bonging he was just walking. His bow. <laughs> so it was just weird i there's no climax or end to the story like you know i yeah. didn't i didn't ask him anything i gave him a really a, a, a scant look but he didn't look at me um how how loud was the it was loud okay i mean it wasn't it didn't it wasn't like ear piercingly loud it didn't hurt your ears but I mean, you could hear was it from a good bass distance tones? off. I'm picturing deeper no, tones. It no. wasn't bass tones. It was boingy. It was piercing boingy, boingy tones. I just that leaves me scratching my head. I don't even know what to offer with that. Just a yeah, there's nothing really. Moment. It's just it's just weird. I thought I would share it with you. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll I make note. Of, I mean, he's just another character uh, that I've seen walking around the lake. It reminds me of the one character that I really miss. Um, one time I was walking around the lake and uh, there was a guy, 
there, there's this area where the water comes up very near to the path. There's like a little beachy area. It doesn't. It's not pretty like a beach, but the water laps up against the um, the bank right there. And I mean, it sounds I, pretty. It sounds pretty, but it's not. It's not that pretty right there. Um, because the the dirt is it's kind of muddy. It's not okay. sand. It's kind of mud. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I was walking up to that spot and I saw a guy wearing all black. He was wearing like a black like a hoodie or long sleeve shirt um, and a black like I guess it was a hoodie, black pants and everything. And he was making like kind of rhythmic motions. And I thought I didn't know what he was doing. And as I got closer, I discovered or I noticed anyway that he was holding a samurai sword in his hands, and he was going through like samurai sword poses that were a little awkward he wasn't he obviously wasn't uh well practiced yet. <laughs> yeah and so he wasn't a samurai <laughs> he wasn't a samurai i don't think uh maybe he was an initiate or something I mean, he sounds cool the way he's dressed though <laughs> yeah but he was dressed up like a ninja with his sword <laughs> on the edge of the lake like doing his samurai poses and he just he was into it man he was just going for it and i really liked that uh was this a one-off thing just one time yeah, I never saw him again. Um, actually, I wanted what I wanted because I didn't take a picture of him when I was right next to him because I thought that it might have been uh, rude or he might have sliced me up or something. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to continue around the lake and take a picture of him from the other side, you know, standing there on the beach, uh, on that little beach, doing a samurai poses front on from, from the other side of the lake. But by the time I made it over, he would just dematerialized into the ether, probably gone off. That's what he probably threw, do. threw a smoke bomb and just poosh, he was gone. <laughs> Goodbye, so, Ninja Man. Goodbye. Samurai I never, guy. never saw him again. So I don't know. I guess he did his he did his task and moved on. I think that's part of the joy on going on walks in public spaces. <laughs> yeah, you see, see a lot of and, yeah, you see some interesting folks. Um, most people are pretty normal and boring and friendly. Uh, to you know, most of the time when I walk around the lake here. Um, you know, uh, at least a few people, they give you a good smile and a nod and how you doing? Oh, it's a beautiful day today. Blah, blah, blah. Very friendly. So I like it for that reason. The bow guy, I just, I'd like to think he was going to meet up with some people who also had unique instruments of, of handmade <laughs> yeah, the, origin. The little, you know? uh, the little rake thing, the laundry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thing. That kind of stuff. And, and they jugs. all play a very <laughs> mundane <laughs> note. And like, that's just what yeah. they do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe so i didn't see anyone else like that but I don't know. all right so i want to round out this podcast with a brand new segment tell me about it i uh, like it brand should, new segments it's called uh adventures in etymology that almost so, has alliteration almost it it you know i'm not super satisfied with the title it sounds kind of lame etymology like who cares but whatever i'm sticking the with the person it. knows what etymology means um, I don't know. Maybe they do. Is it fair to just say it's the origin of words and the path of which they took? Like how I mean, they became certainly, what we use today? It's certainly fair to say that, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we can define that for people. Um, yeah, where words come from and that sort of thing. It's just the the reason why, um, why I made this segment or thought about this segment is because I came across some words that are... There are words and phrases that we use every day and we don't really understand what they mean or where they came from. We just use them. And sometimes you can hypothesize 
where those words came from and you have theories about it, but you're not sure if they're true. And that's kind of where this segment gets at. There are words that you will definitely heard of and use (laughs) and you, and you may be able to hypothesize where they came from based on, you know, the, the parts of speech or the, um, the syllables or whatever. Uh, and I want to see if you're right or not. I like it. I like guessing where, you know, a phrase came from or whatever. I'm assuming it's not just words. It could be phrases and stuff. Yeah, it can, it can be words or phrases. Um, and so it'll probably be pretty, a pretty brief segment and, you know, more on the academic end than on the, uh, the fun creative end. But I tried to spice it up a little bit. So I'll tell you the structure of how I've got it. Okay. Um, I've, I've got a word or phrase that I'll tell you. And I've got three possible origin stories. Uh, and only one of them is true. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and the other two I made up. And so you can try to tell me. Well, first I'll ask you what what you think the origin is without giving you any. Yeah, that's um, best. Anything. And then I'll tell you the three options, and you can choose which one you think is the real one. And then I'll tell you what it got is. Got it. So this time I've got three words um, for you, and uh, we're gonna start it off in the classiest manner. The the inaugural adventures in etymology is going to be very classy because it's going to be scatological scatological <laughs> etymological etymological scatological terminological scatological etymological i think there's a song that goes that way yeah I'm pretty sure anyway, anyway the the first uh the first phrase is poop deck do you know yeah. what a poop deck is um honestly no <laughs> so that's gonna be tough <clears throat> so the poop deck is uh it's the deck at the aft and the rear end of a ship um, it usually forms the oh, roof like, yeah. of a cabin okay. at the very I didn't know at the, that. Yeah, at the very back of a ship. It's called a poop deck. Um, so, have you you've heard the term before, right? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I'm trying to think of the sentence where like all hands on deck, but like all the uh, poop. Uh, dang, there's some like I don't know. My brain isn't working really well right now. I don't. But, I mean, I can't really think of a common phrase that it would be used in, but it would. No, be, I just remember chuckling as a kid. Yeah. When when I learned it was like the poop deck and right, like, me too. Ha, right. Ha, 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 ha. So. Yeah, me too. I read it and I was like, "Ha, poop deck, funny." Right, because right. Uh-huh. it's pretty rare to have the word poop and it not be explicitly linked. But even you saying it's at the so if I'm taking a guess, if it's at the rear end of a ship, um, you know, etymologically, it would just be like that. It was some sort of like the navy or sailors sort of would joke about which end and the poop end and the poop deck. Oh. And so mm-hmm. that would be my guess is like, it, cause it it's was, at the butt, the butt end of a ship and poop yes. comes out of your butt. So poop yes. Deck. And that just became a funny thing that then became more official over time. Okay. All right. That's a good that's guess. guess. I think that's a solid guess. All right. So I'm going to present you three options and you can see which one you want. And if one is close to your guess. So the first the first one is that it originated from uh, sailors in the 16th and 17th centuries making long voyages, and they need to relieve themselves en route. Uh, and so it really is poop poop deck. Uh, the rear deck is usually the highest on the ship, and since it's in the back, uh, it gives it uh, a little bit more privacy, and it's a little bit more sanitary to poop off the back of the ship. So um, that's okay. where it comes from. It's a poop that deck. You, it's a poop plausible. deck because, because you poop there. Uh, yeah yeah seems plausible yep so that's the first option i assume they'll all be plausible (laughs) but yes i'm not i'm not making any ridiculous ones in there all right the second one uh is that the second potential option is that it's an alteration of the what was originally called the pope deck 
um, and it was coined by Catholics in the 1400s because of Pope Pius II, uh, who <laughs> he was really fond of sailing, and so he would sail around on the ships uh, so that he could, and he would stand on the back of the ship, the back deck of the ship, the poop poop deck, or what what they called it then, the Pope deck, um, so that he could get the best view and so that people could see him as well. Uh, so it it was originally Pope deck, and it became poop deck just okay. because, the, because the word changing because the uh, word changing maybe <laughs> well just over time you know the, the way that we pronounce words changes yeah it sounds and it, historical and yeah okay well it was in the 1400s so it was a long time ago um yeah. and lot, lots of words change uh gradually between then and now yeah uh all right and the third the third option uh is that it's actually originated from the french word la poupe uh <laughs> Which means stern or the back. So it's another word for the rear of the ship. Le poop deck me- really means the back of the ship, the rear of the ship. Oh, man. Um, well, but it's French. <laughs> I'm tempted to look that up really quick. Don't look it up. No I, cheating allowed. I won't. I won't. Um, um, if I had to guess, I would... I'm going to guess the first one. They actually pooped off the rear end. Like, where else do they poop, you know? Uh-huh. So, so pre-plumbing era. I mean, did, well, I, sailors. Mm, they actually seem all plausible. Uh, no, I'm going to go with the French one. I'm going to go with the French one. The French one, la poop. <laughs> no, not after you say it that way. It makes you think this. Like, God, I, I'm actually torn. So good job, <laughs> I'd say. It's the second one that I'm not buying. Uh, and the, the pope, the pope deck, and, and the first one sounds silly. Like they're actually pooping off, and I'm thinking, well, did they really just? I'm not sure. So where else uh, would you poop on a 17th century ship? That's what I was thinking. Like, where would you go? So they should just do it in the ocean, and like then it makes sense to do it in the rear, the rear end. Uh, so I'll stick with my my gut, which would go with one, the first one. All right. Well, you're wrong. Okay. Um, uh, actually, this is uh, uh, actually uh, as a bonus, it's kind of true, but it's backwards. They would actually poop on off the front of the ship, uh, because usually, you know, if you imagine a ship that's sailing, the wind is actually blowing from the rear of the ship uh, forward. Uh, if you if you poop off the back of the ship, that's a bad idea because it's just going to blow everything forward. I get you. I was thinking like an engine and stuff, but yeah, that was dumb. There's there's actually um, a phrase I had never heard of it, but going to the head. Have you ever heard of that phrase? I got to go to the head. It means I need to go to the bathroom. Got and it. it. And it comes For from it comes from sailing. I need to go to the head of the ship, the front of the ship, to poop. It was a like a um, an alternate phrase for having to go to the bathroom, go to the head. So it's not that one. Um, it's also not Pope deck. That's not true. Uh, but it it is le poop. <laughs> It comes from the French word la poupe, which means the rear. So actually, your original guess that poop comes from your butt and the poop deck is the butt of the ship, well, that's kind of right because poop, la poupe, means the rear of a ship. So. And, and perhaps the, the etymology of just the word poop, not poop deck, might come like from French origin, just like we uh-huh. took it there. So yeah. Well, that leads me to the second word on the list of adventures in etymology poop <laughs> really okay. yeah really that's the next word so yeah. what do you think where does poop come from well that i would have 
it almost seems too easy now. You, you like you're setting me up to say French for the back or the rear. Um, if I if you had not said that first, I, let me think as if I didn't have that knowledge. Poop. 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 Uh, poo poo. Uh, I'm just trying to take any. No, no. <laughs> I mean, there's so many scatological terms for like crap, turd, uh, you know, shit, like, and then like funnier, a, a, a drop like drop the boys off at the pool, things like that. Um, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Like, right. there's just so many ways to say I went and used the restroom. Um, and so I'm trying to get to poop, uh, how pooper scooper, poop, uh, I actually don't have a conceptualization of poop outside of that word. And now that you're giving me the French one, right? isn't it weird? Well, I mean, we, I mean, the, everyone knows what poop is. They know the word poop, but isn't it strange that we don't no, we don't know where it comes from. It's a strange word. I mean, in terms of onomatopoeia, you could make the argument that to take a poop, it, it kind of goes poop. Like it has some, it sounds like that. Uh-huh. Poop. <laughs> Just poop. Like it, right. It, and so that's that's about as good as I can get because the word is so fitting. And when you say a word fits what it actually, the definition, I mean, you know, it could just be familiarity, but it also could have some sound resemblance, and I guess that's what I'm calling onomatopoeia to buzz. It, you know, we know we, know, we know what onomatopoeia is, so mm-hmm. uh, maybe that has some onomatopoeia origins. But like, I, I gotta go with the French one, except for you leading me there seems too obvious, and you wouldn't have chosen it if it were the case. So, so that's so what ahead. you're that's what you're gonna say. So onomatopoeia origin. Yeah. Oh, onomatopoeia. Okay, so the three I mean, options. The first one is actually, actually exactly what you said. It's an onomatopoeia for the sound poop makes when it falls into water. Poop. <laughs> okay. Um, the second option is that it's from the 14th century word poopen, P-O-U-P-E-N, poopen, which means to make a short blast on a horn. So it's kind of <laughs> I a... I like that. It's kind of a yeah. fart thing. It comes from farting, poop, blast on a horn, poop. Um, and then the third option is that it's from an Italian medical term for a part of the intestine, the, the pupilla, um, where poop is the content of the pupilla. So poop is uh, what's inside These were great. There. So the onomatopoeia, I just, we know each other, our brains think a lot. So that's what you did. We had a moment of just thinking alike, which is pretty satisfying, but I don't think that's it. The next two are very plausible to me. Um, the blast of the horn or the pupilla. Um, mm-hmm. Um, one was the 14th century and one was what? Italian something or it's other? It's an Italian medical term. I'm going to go with that. The Italian medical term. This is harder than I thought. I thought it was going to be easy. You're giving me three terms and like my ability to kind of think things through, but I'm so wrong. This is tough. Uh-huh. Yep. You're wrong this time too. Ah, dang oh. it, man. <laughs> it's actually the horn, the short blast on the horn. Well, I should actually, I should be, I should be clear. The true origin is unknown. Uh, the earliest likely reference is this 14th century word poopin for a short blast on the horn poopin a short blast on the horn <laughs> yep and i was right about uh you and me just thinking onomatopoeia that was just yep that was that was the first uh, what i did when i was coming up with these is i tried to speculate what Before i thought the origin yeah. was and that was one of i always wrote that as one of the options um and then i look it up and try I to like that we get to the same place then yeah yeah me too i like that all right, poop. Well, that leads me to the third and final 
Will you uh, stop me for all three? Yeah. Yeah. The third and final adventure into scatological, etymological words. <laughs> Dingleberry. So you're theme these. <laughs> Dingleberry. No, I'm not, I'm not going to theme them in the future, probably, okay. but I themed this one because I had three words that I, I wasn't sure about. Dingleberry. You know what a dingleberry is? Yes, that's when poop that kind of remains around the butt, um, right? Yes, like, that's whether correct. Whether humans or animals, whatever, it's just the little gathering of excess poop that is usually within hair and like has, it's gross, but come entangled and maybe even resembles. I don't know if a dingleberry is an actual or obviously when you say berry and you put any word before it, you, you go into you think of berries and. Mm-hmm. fruit and all of that and dangle could easily become dingle like d- dangling poop berries <laughs> you know and yep. so i've always thought the terminology fit like you hear dingleberry and if you're told what it is and you laugh because it's a funny it's a goofy term dingleberry yeah uh, and it and it's gr- just gross enough <laughs> right um it it it's not a disgusting word on its own, but because it so well fits, it becomes gross. Um, because, like, yeah, some words are just un- un- uh, unpleasant in, term of, in terms of phone aesthetics, just the mm-hmm, sound mm-hmm. of them. But this is a pleasant... It's a goofy and, word. It's a goofy and whimsical word applied to something very gross. It's so, like a ragamuffin. A ragamuffin. <laughs> no, it's just kind of a goofy word, ragamuffin. Yes. Yeah, it is. Dingleberry. Dingleberry. Um, and so, uh, I mean, I guess I just talked it out. Uh, I, I I think it's dangling from the butt, so dingle dingle, and then it resembles a berry. So that's my about as good as I can get right now. All right, fair enough. Okay, so of your three options, the first one is that it's a combination of dingle and berry. A dingle is a small wooded valley or a dell. Um, and so, you know, you can imagine a berry bush growing in this hard to reach nook of the earth where the fruit is hard to reach. And so mm-hmm. a dingle, dingle is that little nook in the woods. And so yeah, your butthole is like a dingle and the berry <laughs> just kind of grows in there. Uh-huh. That's gross. <laughs> so that's, that's the first option. The second option is what you said. Uh, it's a combination of dangle and berry. So you can imagine a berry dangling precariously from a hair. And that's a it's a dangleberry, and it just somewhere along the line turned into dingleberry. Um, and the third option is <clears throat> that it actually comes from a, a real plant, uh, the Vaccinium erythrocarpum. Uh, it's it's a mountain cranberry bush, uh, and its seeds are notoriously sticky, and you you can't digest the seeds. Uh, and so, the plant is actually called the dingleberry plant, and when those seeds, when you can't digest them, you actually have dingleberries. That's where it comes from. Uh, so when it, you try to pass them, they just stick. Yeah, they just kind of clump all out. Uh, yeah. So an and animal so, that might eat it as its diet, you just see that. Right. They have ding, they have dingleberries still remaining kind of all around their butt, and so that you know, the the term got transferred into you know things that aren't actually dingleberries, but just your normal garden variety turds. Well, I'm going to eliminate my guess, and I think it was yours, and I think we had another moment of similarity. That's my guess. Uh, and so one in three, so it's either the valley or the actual plant. Uh, gotta tell you, like, I'm impressed with your, your made-up examples uh, because they're 
both seem very plausible. So I'm annoyed that I'm really kind of guessing. Like, I'm genuinely just going to guess. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to guess the the plant, the actual dingleberry with its, you know, whatever Latin name you gave. That that's Vaccinium erythrocarpum. Yes. Um, no, you're wrong. Ah, was it, it one? Was, it was actually the one that you supposed, the combination of dingle and berry. Damn that it. was the real one this, this time. This is frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually right, so, I'm pretty mad. Like I'm, I'm more mad than I should be. So I should also uh, clarify again, the the original use of it is actually very recent. It, the earliest mention is from 1973, um, so pretty recent. And it was just then meant to be kind of a, a funny name, a dumb person, you know, like a dunce or something, a dingleberry. Yeah. Um, and it's unknown exactly when it came to mean, you know, a, a hanging little bit of poop. Uh, that's kind of unknown. But the speculation is that it is just a combination of dingle and berry to be dingleberry. But the other two are totally made up. Um, a dingle is really a small wooded valley or dell, but that's... I couldn't find any mention of that's where dingleberry comes from. But the and, justification fit, you know? Yeah, well, actually, I was reading... Um, I was reading Lord of the Rings, and the word dingle was used in Lord of the Rings, and I thought, I've never heard this word. What is it? And Other I looked than it up. dingleberry. <laughs> Other than dingleberry. And I looked it up, and it was a small wooded valley or dell, and I thought, huh, Maybe I wonder, this if, is, I wonder if that's where dingleberry comes from. And that actually is what generated the idea for Adventures in Etymology was because of dingleberry. <laughs> dingleberry like was the seed that spawned Adventures in Etymology. So that one's not right, and the plant, while there is a plant called the mountain cranberry bush um, that is Vaccinium erythrocarpum, that's not what happens. And it's not particularly sticky or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know anything about that. I just made that up. So. Well, I mean, it wasn't, perhaps I was just gullible drawn to the science sounding thing, but I don't think so. It just was like, that makes no, no, sense it's to legit. me. Like, yeah, it's, this makes sense that a berry that doesn't pass, and then they see it, and then it got transferred. That just like really, I'm worried I'll remember that the false information <laughs> and kind of solidify that in my brain because it just the connections are there. It makes sense. But oh yeah, it's some it's and I'll I'll mix it all up. I'll be like it's some Italian 1400s bush <laughs> that's you know where you got dingle. It was planted on the rear end of the the deck of sailors with a pope. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm actually you. You stumped me on all three. That is a like uh, clean sweep. Like I I'm, feel good. Yeah. I just I even thought it'd be too easy once I heard them. Like, where when you told me I'm gonna choose between three, mm-hmm. I mean I I don't know I don't know. Like I'm just annoyed. Like that that I couldn't. Ah, uh, dang it. Well, and even if I, and and I could get it down to two typically, but I was just wrong about. Or I, 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 well, honestly, I was right with the last one. Dangle. You were, I mean, you didn't, I mean, your reasoning wasn't bad. It wasn't bad reasoning. Um, I don't expect to catch you up in bad reasoning for, for, for this segment. Like this isn't really a segment. I I really enjoy segments where I make you look, uh, maybe not very, you don't have your ear to the ground so much, uh, (laughs) with respect to science or whatever. I really, I like that kind of segment because it's fun to poke fun at you, but this isn't one of those. This is just kind of a. A fun little where do words come from because that's an interest of mine. And same here. Like, well, and as an English teacher, do I feel extra 
Oh like, yeah, you should feel know. pretty bad about this. Like, well, I just I'm know sure. All the wait, words. What letter are you on? What letter of the dictionary are, are you on? Surely you're past D by now. Yeah, we're at like T. Yeah. Oh, so. you've passed P for poop and yeah. T, D for dingleberry. <laughs> so, I guess your memory just isn't so good. Shame on me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess now you know what your lesson is for tomorrow. Yeah, dingleberries and poop, 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 and poop, poop deck. deck. <laughs> all right, kids, listen up. It's poop and poop deck time. I, I, yeah. Scatological, etymological, educational. <laughs> oh man. Well, well that's that, a that's a good that, place to that end. Concludes we've, things. We've reached the poop of this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Let's not dangle our berries <laughs> any further. <laughs> da 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 da